today I want to talk to you about unfollowing. Unfollowing. Because every single one of us in the process of following Jesus at some stage, no matter whether we're young or old, will be tempted to unfollow him at some stage. Every single one of us at some stage along this journey is going to be tempted to click the unfollow button. And so we're going to have a look at a scripture that's going to kind of crack it open for us a little bit, but I want to lay a little bit of a background for the scripture before we get to it. And so prior to the scripture that we're about to read, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. 5,000 men plus women and children. They say it was about 10 to 12,000 people. And he fed them, remember, five loaves and two fish. Everybody remember the story? The little boy brought his lunch. Jesus prayed, broke it, and they fed it out to everybody. And there's 12 basketfuls left over. And, and so at the end of the story of him feeding the 5,000, these people wanted to make Jesus king of Israel because everybody thought, as we discovered the other week, talking about Judas, that people, the Jewish people, believed that the Messiah was going to be a political figure, a, a royal king. And at the end of, of him uh, feeding them all, they're trying to, to make him king. They wanted to get out from under the rule of the Romans, and they're trying to make him king. So Jesus says, no, 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 I don't want any of that, because Jesus understood that his role was not to be a physical king, but be the king of kings and to save our lives. And so he gets on a boat, and he goes across the other side of the shore, and he gets over there where, uh, across the lake, and he gets over there with his disciples, and he's kind of teaching in the synagogue, and, and then these people follow him. And they start to rock up, and they come along, and, and the problem is, is that they start this whole process again of trying to force Jesus to be king, and they rock up into the town that Jesus is teaching, that they begin calling out to him, asking him, do another miracle like you did before. And he's doing all this stuff while he's talking. And of course, Jesus being Jesus, takes this as an opportunity to teach them something. I don't know how many times when you read through the gospel that it says that the disciples were thinking something or people were thinking something or they were talking amongst themselves. They weren't even talking to him. And then Jesus knew instantly what they thought and instantly what they said. And he said, let me teach you something. Yes? Have you ever had those moments? You never want to have a thought or a conversation around Jesus because he always knew what you're about to talk about. And so he starts to take the opportunity to teach him something. And because he just fed the 5,000 with bread, he starts talking about himself as the bread of heaven. I'm the bread of heaven and, and, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And he's comparing himself to bread. And, and these people start going, mate, you're not from heaven. You're Joseph and Mary's son. We know you. What is all this gobbledygook that you're talking about? You're Joseph and Mary's son. You didn't come from heaven. You came from Joseph and Mary. We know your parents. And so all of a sudden, the there starts to get this real tension in the crowd as Jesus is trying to teach, and then Jesus just takes it to a whole nother level of weirdness. Are you, are you ready for this? John 6, 54 to 56, Jesus goes on and he says this, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up in the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Could you imagine being there in that moment? Yo, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, it's like, what? First of all, you're talking about you're a piece of bread. Now we're into cannibalism. 
What are you going on about? What the heck are you saying here? I mean, if you're listening to this, you would think right now, woohoo, someone's lost the plot, wouldn't you? Yeah? And so the disciples are like, mate, what are you doing, Jesus? We're talking about the 12 here, not all the other ones that were following him. I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? These people want to make you king. We've finally got a bit of a crowd around us. The crowd's on your side. You're losing the crowd. Stop the craziness. Stop the eat my flesh, drink my blood stuff. And it goes on and Jesus says in verse 60, he says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept this? And so when it says his disciples, it's not talking about the 12. He's talking about all those people that are following him that have come across. They're really saying it's like, man, who would want to be associated with that? I mean, if you think, If you think some things you've heard Christians say is cults, I want to tell you now, if I got up here in front of you and said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'd be like, woo, this guy's whacked. I mean, the media has a problem with Brian Tamaki that would really have a problem with me. And this is what he's doing. He's saying, he's saying man, we, we, don't, we don't want to be, a, that's weird, man. You're just whacked out. We don't want to be associated with that. And so this crowd that one, one minute wanted to make him king, now all of a sudden is starting to turn on him, yeah? And it says in John 6, 61, it says, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. <laughs> Jesus is so cool. Aware that they're grumbling about this, he said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> it's like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What do you think? Of course it's offensive. Does this offend you? And he's really saying, does does this, me telling you this stuff, is this too heavy for you? Does this trip you up? Is this too hard? Is this too much for you? Are you finding this too difficult? And in verse 66 it says, for this time many of disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From this time, Many of disciples turned back and no longer followed him. These people that had followed him around, that had come across the lake, all decided as soon as they heard this to unfollow him. I mean, hey, Jesus, you've got to understand, man, I, I, we love the healings and we love the miracles and we, and we love the thought that you might proclaim yourself as king and get rid of the Romans. But this whole eat my flesh, drink my blood thing, that we just can't go there. That's just way too weird. That's just way too hard. We're just not doing that. And in verse 67, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says to them, you do not want to leave too, do you? In other words, you're not going to unfollow me like these other guys have unfollowed me, are you? Like, we're the 12. Bros before other things. I know, some of you are having a heart attack right now. But we're the 12, man. We are the 12. You're not going to leave too, are you? You're not going to unfollow me like all those other losers. That's really kind of what he's saying. You're not going to unfollow me as well. Really? Are you even thinking about it? I mean, these guys are leaving, but you're not going to be an unfollower too, are you? Can you imagine the pressure on the disciples 
at <laughs> that moment, yeah? And the thing is, is this, is that this situation is so relevant to us because the reality is, is no matter how long you have been following Jesus, a day will come where you will consider unfollowing him because of something. You will consider unfollowing him. It usually happens in a time of transition. From high school to university is the biggest dropout zone of people following Jesus. Why? Because they leave this confined space of high school where they're protected in their home by their parents and in this nice church environment, and then they go away to university where they're taught anything but God. They're taught anything but what the Bible believes. And the whole environment they go into is just completely against. It's completely against what you've believed. And what you believe is completely irrelevant to the environment and the people that you're around. And so in this moment of transition, this temptation comes. If I want these guys to accept me, if I want to be part of this, then I'm going to have to unfollow Jesus because to follow him would just be too hard in this environment. Where all of a sudden we've got people that don't believe what we believe. And the temptation to unfollow Jesus is not because you don't believe that Jesus is true. It's not because you don't believe in him. It's just because it's too hard. It's just too hard to follow him in that environment. It's just inconvenient. It just doesn't work. Because if I do this, it's going to leave me isolated. I'm going to be all alone. Plus, in this new place, in this new environment, in, with these new friends, it just doesn't matter to them. It just, none of this stuff really seems to matter to my friends. It matters to the ones I used to have, but not to these new ones. And so we, we just decide it's just too hard. So we unfollow, because it's just too hard to stand up for Jesus in a world that's so against him. Or we have a scenario where he's just too cute and she's just too beautiful. She's just too hot. I mean, I know she doesn't, she's not a follower, but you know, uh, I don't want to really let my faith get in the way of our relationship. I don't really want to get that in the way. It might make things really, really awkward. And, and anyway, you know, not everyone can be beautiful, but everyone can be saved. That was a joke. Don't look at me so badly. I'm not really chauvinistic. Or oh, here's the other one that a lot of us, oh, you're just going for a really, really tough time. You're just going for a tough time, and man, you have prayed, and you have prayed, and you have prayed. You've always believed in Jesus, but believing in him all of a sudden just doesn't seem to be working. Nothing seems to be changing. In fact, I'm now so frustrated because God's even gone quiet on me. He's gone silent on me. I mean, I've never prayed so much in my life. The least he could do is answer one of my prayers. I mean, I'm obeying everything that he says, and things aren't getting better. They're just getting worse. Why aren't they working out when I'm obeying? This just isn't working anymore, so I'm quitting. I'm walking away. These things all come to us to attempt us to, tempt us to unfollow but Jesus knows your mind just like he knows the disciples' minds, just like he knows the mind of the crowd. And, and you're in church here today, and maybe you've got some of those questions like, this just isn't really working. I don't really think this is, this is worthwhile doing anymore. And you're here today, and isn't it crazy that an environment that you're thinking that, that we're discussing it this morning, maybe God's trying to speak to you today 
about not unfollowing him. It's almost like he knows what you're thinking. It's almost like he knows what you're about to do and he's trying to speak to us today. We'll all have a moment, or maybe we're in a moment, where in our life we start to be tempted to unfollow. And let me just say for you right now, it's actually okay to have that moment because the disciples had that moment. Every single person, when you read through Scripture, the rich young ruler, remember he comes to him and he says, I fulfilled all of the law. Jesus never said to him, no, you haven't. He just said to him, why don't you go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And the rich young ruler decided, oh, I can't follow that, and he left. Because it was just too hard, too inconvenient. It's actually okay to have this moment. Everybody has them. The disciples had them. And you've got to understand that these guys, these 12, were so close to him. And they're kind of thinking to themselves now, because Jesus has been doing all this talk about him dying, they're kind of thinking, man, if we continue to follow, we could lose our lives too. This is, this is a really big deal. They're in the middle of this, what I would call a pregnant pause, you know? Basically, the answer they're about to give, because he says, do you want, want to go too? Do you want to leave me as well? It's, it's one of them pause moments, you know? probably only lasted about three seconds, but it probably felt like an eternity. It's the brains of the disciples are going, how do we answer this? How do we answer this? Got to be careful what I think because you'll know what I'm thinking. I better not say anything to anybody else because then you'll know what I've said. And, and then Peter jumps up and Peter, who usually always says the wrong thing. Remember Peter? The guy who said, no, 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 Jesus, stop all this crazy talk about you dying. You're not going to die. And then Jesus has to say to him, what did he say to him? Get behind me. Satan, your, your mind is on the things of this world and not on the things of heaven. In other words, your thoughts are all about looking after Pete and not about what God's about to do. Pete, Peter, who always says the wrong thing, Peter, who disowns God when he is arrested, that Peter then comes up with the most profound, incredible, amazing statement that if you and I can get this into our vocabulary, I believe it will change our lives. In verse 68, it says, Simon Peter answered, Lord... To whom shall we go? In other words, like, even if I wanted to go, what are my options? Even if I wanted to walk away from you right now and unfollow you because this is getting really weird and getting really hard and getting really inconvenient, who am I going to go to? Where am I, what's my options? What are my options? What are my options? When you choose not to follow Jesus, you have to understand that you're choosing to follow something or someone else. When you choose to back away from God, then you're backing into something else or someone else. If you choose to say no to Jesus, then really what you're doing is you're saying yes to something or someone else. Peter is kind of saying here, what's our options? We don't, if not you, who do we go to? Because he understands that if I say no to Jesus, I've got to go to somebody else. If I say no to following you, I've got to find someone else. Who do I go to? To whom will I go to? What are my options? Peter is like, you know, I'm really not that comfortable right now with the stuff that you're saying, Jesus. I'm really not that happy. But, but when I look at my options outside of you, I, I have none. 
Like, you're it. You're all I have. You're the only option I have. Like, to whom shall I go? Please tell me. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? Because the issue is it's really hard to follow Jesus at time. I mean, no one that you know that's not a follower of Jesus comes up to you at work or school or whatever and puts their arms around you and goes, you know what, mate? I'm so proud of you for being a follower of Jesus. I think that's awesome. Nobody does that. Unless you've had somebody do that. I've never had anybody do that. I've had guys come up to me when I used to work for BMW and mechanics come up and put their arm around me and go, you're an idiot. Jesus freak. Bible basher. Nobody comes up to you and says, mate, good on you for taking a stand, standing up for Jesus. Just go on Facebook and say something and see what sort of encouragement you get. Peter is saying in this question, to whom shall we go? Peter is really trying to say to us, and I believe God is trying to say today, before you unfollow Jesus, consider your options. Consider your options, because when you say no to God, you're saying yes to something else or someone else. And then Peter goes on in the same verse, and he says, Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? And then he says this, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. No one else has that. No one else has those words. No one else has the words of eternal life. Where am I going to go? To whom shall I go? Because nobody else has this. Nobody else has this. Shall I go back to what I was like before I knew you? Hell no. Do you know the kind of person I was before I knew Christ? There are some of you in this place. Do you want to go back to what you were before you knew Christ? Nobody wants to go back to that. You're the only one that has the, the words of eternal life. Who else are we going to go to? Nobody else can do that. Nobody else has that. Nobody else has those words. Only you have them. And so even though I'm in this really hard place and I'm feeling really uncomfortable and I'm not really happy with what you're saying right now, who do I go to that has the words of eternal life like you have? There's no other option but you. He's basically saying I'd rather die for something than live for nothing because no one else has the words of life. And I believe Peter knew this in his heart of hearts, just like every single one of us knows this in our heart of hearts, that the day we unfollow Jesus is the day that we wish we could go back and change our minds. I, don't, I know the amount of times where I have said, nah, I'm not doing that moment with Jesus and did my own thing, that I want to go back and change my mind. I want to go, I want to redo. But here's the thing. You can't redo your decisions. You can get forgiveness for them, but you can't redo them. And Peter is saying, before you even think about unfollowing, he says, have a think for a moment. To whom shall you go to? Who else has the words of eternal life? And he goes on and he says, we have come to believe. In verse 69, come to believe and know that you are the Holy One 
of God. Not just believe, but we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I know that you are the Holy One of God. And you know, if I leave you this week, I'll be back next week or the month after or the year after. I know I'll be back at some stage because only you have the words of eternal life and only you are the Holy One of God. To whom else do I go to? Why would I choose to unfollow you in the hardest of times when that's the time that I should follow you the most? Whom am I going to go to if I don't go to you? Where am I going to go if I don't go to you? I love this question so much because I believe this is the question that stops us from having a season in our life that we wished we could go back and relive. I believe this question will save us from a whole lot of regrets that we have in our lives. If we could just pause for a moment in the middle of our hard times and our difficult times where we feel like quitting on Jesus and just go, to whom else do I go to? If not Jesus, then who? When you're going for a tough time or a bad relationship or a difficult trial, if not Jesus then who? Who else? Please tell me who else is offering you eternal life? Who else is offering you healing? Who else can save your soul? Who else if not Jesus? Who? Who can you go to for your healing, for your salvation, for your marriage, for your children, for your finances, for your circumstances? If not Jesus, who? Who else has the words of eternal life? To whom shall I go in times of trouble, in times of temptation and transition? It always creates questions. It always creates questions when we're going through life, when we're going through transition. And that's okay. It creates questions like this. Where's God? Where is God in all this? What is going on here? Why has God let this happen? Why didn't God come through for me? I've prayed so much. I've done so much. I've given. I've tithed. I've done my thing. Why hasn't God come through for me? How come I'm the only one suffering when everybody else is going well? There's always questions all the time. And you know what? Having questions is absolutely fine. But to step away from Jesus because you have a question that there's no answer to, to is a big, big mistake. Because just because you don't have an answer to your question doesn't mean that there's not an answer. Just because you don't have an answer right now to your questions does not mean that there's not an answer. It just means you don't know it yet. It means you just don't know it yet. It looks like God has abandoned you, but it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It doesn't look like Things are going to work out, but that doesn't mean that things aren't going to work out. There are always questions, and that is fine, but don't walk away from Jesus simply because you don't have an answer to a question. That is why this question that Peter asks is so important, because considering options always brings clarity. When you consider your options, it always brings clarity. And I want to ask you today, to whom shall we go if not Jesus? 
I know some of you have got incredibly tough lives. You're a solo parent. You've gone through divorce. You're, you're going through all sorts of difficulties. You're having trouble with your kids. You're having trouble with your finances. Maybe you're having trouble in your marriage. Maybe you're having trouble in your workplace. I don't know what the trouble it is, but so often we, we, we tend to walk away. But the Scripture says this, that the righteous run into the tower. That is Jesus, and they're saved. And Peter, in the midst of a tough time, his response to Jesus is, to whom else do I go to? If not you, then who? Who else has the words of eternal life? Who else is the Holy One of God? Who else can heal me? Who else can save me? Who else can deliver me? If not you, then who? There is no other options. It's just Jesus. And you can choose to walk away, but friend, if you turn your back on him, you're choosing something else. And I want to tell you, no, mar- no husband, no wife, no girlfriend, no boyfriend, no career, no business opportunity, no house, no car, no holiday can save your life. If not him, then who? Who? 